Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already, and that's not just because you can get access to all 880 episodes of this show, and very easily as well, but you can also watch live races. You can watch all the replays, and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now, uh, the racing app. It's your one-stop shop and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favourite daily racing podcast. You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Thursday the 21st of December, properly imbued with the Christmas spirit now. I feel we're, I feel we're nearly there. The news this morning coming through to us is that Jerry Colomb, for it is he, the horse that has taken up an awful lot of this podcast over the last few days, has a third option. It may not be the King George. It might not be the Savile's Chase at Leopardstown. I've been in correspondence with the horse's owner, Brian Atchison, and he said to me, don't rule out Tremor. Now, a decision's going to be made this evening because somebody's walking the track at Kempton and at Leopardstown for connections. But he said, don't rule out Tremor on New Year's Day. I said, can I say that's an option? Yes, we're definitely exploring it. Jane Mangard is my guest today. Fancy that, Jane. There's the outsider of three. Yeah, it's becoming a more common theme uh, with these top horses. Of course, Album Photo won the Savile's Chase at Tremor New Year's Day on four occasions. Last year, Manila Indo beat Statler in the race. Um, it's To me, uh, King George is a standalone, showpiece, prestigious, iconic race. Uh, the Savile's Chase at, at Leopardstown would be the second tier in terms of prestige, but also a huge one of the marquee races of the season. I cannot say the same about Tremor. It's it's a wonderful track and it's a grand race. But I think this is just a point, a case in point as regards the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Is every other race in the build-up to March just a prep? Well, my, my point that I would make would be that if you are worried about ground that is genuinely good to soft at somewhere like Kempton, then that is going to make me worry as a punter about your capability to handle good ground on the Friday of Cheltenham. Uh, and I know Kempton dries, but it doesn't dry quite as quickly as Leopardstown does. And it, it, it's had a dump of rain this week. I, I, I mean, like a a grown-up portion of rain on Tuesday. So I, I find it inconceivable that it's going to be fast ground. Yes, nice, good winter ground, fine. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder the extent to which the horse really is contingent on on very soft ground on the back of limited evidence. Yeah, I don't pretend to know more than, than no, the jury team on this, but I'd imagine they're 
they're doing all the due diligence available to them. They're probably going to have somebody they trust walk the track. Um, but I would be in, in your camp. I don't think Jerry Colomb is slow. And I think he won a Silly Isles and good to soft ground at Sandown. So um, all of the, the balls are in the air. Look, when you're dealing with a good horse, of course, you're going to have the media call. And it's 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 a privilege. It might annoy It might annoy you at times, but it's a privilege. And they have taken all the media calls, which is why... Jerry Clomb has had so much airtime, and um, but but this is because we're, we're interested in the horse that could be the best second season novice over fences this year, and where he'll go again remains up in the air. But um, personally, I'd be disappointed if he went to Tremor. I'm sure the people of Waterford wouldn't be. Um, I'd like to see him take on horses that he'll meet in March, and yeah, I I, I look if I don't really have much to say on the matter. Only I think if he went to Kempton. I'd fancy him. If he went to Leopardstown, I'd fancy him. If he goes to Tremor, he probably won't even get a hard race. Uh, one horse who will definitely be going to Kempton is is Hewick. We heard from Shark Hamlin earlier in the week. He has solved his jockey problem this morning. Uh, Gavin Sheehan's going to ride Hewick, and I caught up with the man of the moment, uh, who's been riding big winners at Newbury and Cheltenham on That's All Right, Gino and Fugitive, just a few moments ago as he was walking back from the gallops. Uh, yeah, obviously he's... Uh... Jordan's unfortunately out injured. Um, you know, my, my agent was uh, straight onto onto Shark, um, and yeah, Shark and um, the owners are happy and pretty much looking forward to riding him. Then he takes a lot of the boxes. Um, he was running a big race at Cheltenham um, until he came down, but he's a uh, look. He, he's a fine horse and a, and a very good spear for me. And, and you you must feel full of confidence at the moment. Yeah, look, it's. Um, you always get confidence riding nice horses. It doesn't matter whether things are going well or not. Um, and I, I'm lucky enough that things are, things are going well for me. And um, just having that bit of luck. Um, you always want to ride the, the best horse in the race. And lucky enough, I've been able to do that recently. And um, yeah, look, it's uh, it's always exciting going into races like this off the back of a few good wins. You know, um, I suppose it gives you a bit more of a a boost and a bit more an upbeat and your chances rather than thinking realistically you know if you're going into races like this you're thinking like realistically this is how it's going to plan out whereas when you're after a couple of wins like that you're just full of confidence and thinking that you can take on the world in a sense um, you know uh, and ho- ho- hopefully things will go well for me on the day Okay that was uh, Gavin Sheehan wow what a crest of a wave he's riding as well and for a number of different trainers too and uh, he he's optimistic about Hewick, as he said. You have to be. You can't go into a race thinking you're not going to win or you've got no chance. But if Shark Hanlon has got this horse right on point, and if it is more good ground than good to soft, then I think Jane, he's a very interesting addition to the race. Yeah, I think he's a player. I think the Shark went from Far Hills in October of last year straight to Cheltenham, where you can interpret it as you wish. He came down two out. At, to that point, having run a huge race at 40 to 1. The only horse in the field in the King George who's a bigger price at the moment is Frodon. And I think Hewick is a very solid contender. Okay, a lot of people will point to Galway, but I know the Shark feels like he shouldn't have went there. Um, And I know that this King George is not an afterthought for this horse. It's a huge ride for Gavin to get. And Gavin will really suit him because he's a very positive rider. Hewick is a forward-going horse. Doesn't have to make the running, but for a small horse, he's in abundance of scope and he's never 
He's never he's never beaten. This horse doesn't give in. So uh, I I think he's been he's been the dream fairy tale so far. But he's still only an eight year old, and uh, I think he makes the race very interesting. I would agree with you. To what extent does the race revolve around who is Alaho now? I think that's the title for the pod. Who is Alaho? Um, he's the horse that. Well, the, the title, good pod, good pod title though it is. I'm afraid the title is going to have to be. Jerry might go to Tremor. Jerry for Waterford, yeah. Um, I look, Alaho is a horse that we haven't seen be beaten since April of 2021 when he took on Shaq and Persois over two miles. The other side of that is since April of 2021, we've only seen him five times, but he's been emphatic every time. I was in Clonmel when he made his 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 comeback after uh, a year and a half off. You couldn't be impressive that day. The the ground was so heavy. He couldn't do any more than beat Janadil nine lengths. Um, he, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't think Willie Mullins would be going to the King George unless this fella was right back up to scratch. I honestly don't think Paul Townend would miss Facile Vega and more at Leopardstown if he didn't think he was in with a real chance of winning the King George. That sounds silly because the horse is six to four and he's top of the market. He, he could be there on reputation, but his work is obviously backing it up. Maybe. But don't you think that it sort of doesn't matter how he's working insofar as if he isn't working with much zip and zest? What do you do? You can't leave him at home. The owner wants to run him in the King George. If he's sound and healthy, you know that he's capable of putting up a 175 performance like he did in the Ryanair twice if he's if he feels like it. Um. And you can't always intuit how they're going to perform on a race course from from what they're doing at home. So you've almost it's not as though he's an anonymous horse or one coming through the ranks. This is Alaho. He's one of the the really, really good horses of this particular little era. So you almost yeah. have, you almost have to go and ride him, don't you? Uh, no, Paul Tanner doesn't have to do anything. And Willie Mullins is never one to listen to anyone only himself, I'd imagine. And he's got that right, and that's what his his career has has always been on instinct. I think um, I I think this horse has won two Ryanair chases, but is is yet still not a great. He needs to win a great race to solidify his status, and this is his opportunity. Well, that is exactly where we where we would agree, um, and it would be wonderful to think that he still has the same zip and raw ability that he had when when winning either of those Ryanairs, on which day, you fancy, he could have beaten just about anything anywhere. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, he looked... He, he When Rachel Blackmore won the won the Ryanair on him, that was one of those wow performances. But he he's, he's a majestic specimen anyway. And I'm glad he's going because he just... Uh, as you say, the race kind of revolves around him and this is his time. Elsewhere, Nicky Henderson is issuing... Uh, cautious bulletins about a shishkin. Well, you have to be cautious anyway, saying he's worried about race fitness, um, you know, differentiating between race fitness and fitness per se. Shishkin or shish can't, Jane? For me, the latter. Um, I hope obviously he starts, but I think a lot of people uh, are forgetting how lethargic he was through the middle part of the Ryanair last year. And that I think he benefited from a five-runner field at Aintree. I think even if he starts the middle part of the race where he 
needs to carry Nico de Bonville into into gaps and into fences. That's the biggest concern for me with Shishkin because he didn't do it last year. And I know you'll say he won at Aintree. I think he was beaten between the last two and a hoist and you're tied up. And uh, yeah, that's just my opinion on the horse. Well, there are very few jockeys in British racing history that have achieved 200 winners in a calendar year. And with a few days to spare, that's exactly what Ross Orion did yesterday at Lingfield Park. He's also ridden a Group 1 winner this season. He finished third in the Jockeys' Championship, uh, more of which in a moment. But 200 in a year, Ross. I know you're a man who likes to set yourself private targets, but was that ever really on your radar? No. I don't think it was. I don't even think it was on the radar until we came back off the Jockeys' break for a week. I think we had something like 16 to go for in like three weeks um, before the Christmas break and um, it's a bit surreal really I, I they put the extra meeting on and mulls on the Sunday we came back and it kind of just took off from there and and kind of the closer we got probably the more pressure I put on myself but uh, we, at least we got over the line it was good to have in the back pocket in so many respects, 2023 has been a, a really wonderful one for you. And you seem just very happy and comfortable in your, in your own skin as part of a, an elite group of jockeys now. Tell me how you feel about the game now relative to how you did, say, 12 months ago. Well, I suppose this year I've had the chance of sitting on some very nice horses. I probably can go out in the bigger races with a bit more confidence that you know, I, sh- I should know what I'm half doing um, instead of being sort of novice to it. I have had a lot of backing from a lot of good trainers and um, they seem to be happy to put their faith in me. So that's 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 a lot, a lot of it, really. Uh, you, you've also ridden a, a Group 1 winner in, in Shaquille, um, who himself was a pretty tricky and quite charismatic horse. Uh, just... Describe to me that day as a turning point and how you how you felt doing that. I thought it was a bit surreal, really. I when we passed the line, when he did what he did, I was thinking, "Oh no, this is another disaster." Um, and then when we were still there in front of the furlong to go, I could see someone in the corner of my eyes, like, "Just please get to the line. I don't want to get nabbed again." And luckily, he did, and it was. It was a massive turning point in the sense that for my career and for everything else, it, it it's not so much I was getting rides in group ones, but, you know, when it came down to it fully, I always felt that um, the odd time I was getting overlooked because I hadn't ridden a group one winner and owners weren't sure I'd ridden plenty of group winners but it was just kind of towards the later end of the season owners were happy to have me because I had that group one success underneath my belt if, if you can get what I'm trying to come from I, I, I totally understand that makes that makes perfect sense tell me a little bit about the, the people around you that have helped you get to where you've gone yeah like I haven't made it um a secret you know Steve my agent has been he's been uh, on the ball since day one um, 
uh, like <laughs> I moved to Steve I moved to Steve when I'd lost my, the May 2018 when I'd lost my claim might have been 2019 and I remember meeting him in March and asking him would he take me on um, and it still took him three months to consider it um, and from there on in then we flew um, and he's been a He's been a very good agent, but a, a, a top friend at the at the back of it all. Um, and I have a girl called Stephanie Jones who helps me with my accounts um, and sorting things out. And she, she she's been good. She uh, she doesn't let anyone. She's always on the ball. She doesn't let anyone miss a trick. Um, then. I suppose the biggest thing is my my father would probably be one of the biggest part of my team that he rings me every day before racing and after racing to go through everything still does um, he is a trainer but it's really a hobby now but it gives him great joy to go through races in depth and go through everything and you know, even so far as, you know, when the, the whole Amos split came and, you know, I didn't know where I was going last year and a bit down in the dumps, he was the one that picked me up and he could tell literally as soon as I'd answer the phone what to say and what to do. And yeah, that's been a, a big, he's been a big cog in the wheel. Mm. I, 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 you only have to look at his Twitter output to realise how how proud he is of you. Um it's uh, it's absolutely plastered with all your winners and achievements and and everything, and it's so important to have that great network around you. I couldn't be more pleased for you. And um, what are the what are the goals and ambitions for for twenty twenty four off the back of that? Um, I'm not sure. I, I I would imagine we'll try and aim for the same sort of target numerically, um, and hopefully there's a there's a couple of very nice two-year-olds that I've ridden this year that I would hope could go on to be very good horses next year. Um, um, who, who, who are they? Um, I really like a horse called Task Force. He really took my eye. I think in the in the middle park, he was just beaten by an out-and-out sprinter in Van Dijk. Um, he's by Frankel and he's out of a Guinea, two-time Guineas winner. In um, so I'd be hoping that the step up to seven, if he goes the Greenham route and then to a mile, will will suit him really well. And um, he's not short of speed. That's one thing for sure. So I'd be um, very excited. You wouldn't know what else Rafe <clears throat> and a few others have to come out yet, but he um, he really I re- he really had a, I really had a soft spot for him last year. So. If we can stay injury free and stay on him, I'd be hoping he could work out to be the arse we think he is. If we have this conversation in eleven months' time, will I be talking to the champion jockey? Uh one day, maybe. Not next year, I don't know. We'll give it a go. I mean I don't see why not, but uh need a lot of luck as well on top of it and um I suppose up to Royal Ascot will tell a lot of stories of how things are going. Um, you know, it's it's after Royal Ascot the season really gets going, but the diff- most difficult part of the season is the start of the year, trying to get up and in and banging in the winners. That's that's probably the hardest part. But 
I wouldn't rule it out. One day, it is my my dream one day to be champion jockey, so we'll stay pushing for it until we can get it. Well done, Rosa. Thanks very much. Edery, Dottori, Jason Weaver, Kieran Fallon, Gordon Richards, Lester Piggott. There aren't many jockeys who've ridden 200 winners in a calendar year, albeit that it's easier to do than it was back in the day when you only raced from March to November. That's a that's a whopping, whopping total. Could he be champion jockey next year, Jane? He could. Yeah, this guy's really good. Um, he's he's just going to another level. I think this year his riding has been real mature. Of course, it'll be headlined by Shaquille, but also by the patronage of um of Rafe Beckett. And the numbers don't lie. He's operating at around twenty percent strike rate since. January 1st of 2023 and he's maintained it throughout the season uh, he he carries himself with great eloquence as we saw when he lost a major job last year and uh, I think he's only benefited from all those experiences because this year he's come out and he's been a force Well the Dubai Racing Carnival this year officially began on, on November the 10th but we are now cranking up another gear with the presence of higher profile horses and the presence of greater uh, international uh, participation as well. Uh, really pleased to be uh, joined now each and every week by Laura King, who works in the media department in, in Dubai and has done for, for a long time and is also the managing editor of World Horse Racing, to give us a, a sneak preview of what we can enjoy uh, tomorrow, Friday, for it is Friday now that we race at Maidan. Uh, Laura, it's uh, it's a pretty good card with some high-profile horses. Who would be the best-known names? Oh, I'm so excited about this card. It's the first time that we've had international runners at Maidan before Christmas. Nine races, and we've got Group 1 winners, Dubai World Cup winners, returning in the form of Isolate, winner of the Group 2 Godolphin Mile, and Dania, shock winner of the Group 1 Alquaz Sprint. So people are very much thinking all roads lead back to Dubai World Cup with maybe a bit of Saudi Cup along the way. Uh, Dania, you mentioned, I, I remember even uh, Sheikh Hissa was quite surprised by Dania's success in the Alquaz. But Musa Almeri can do things that other trainers can't. Yeah, it's quite interesting because Daniel, I think everyone would agree, is actually better over seven furlongs. He gets his perfect conditions on Friday night in the Business Bay Challenge, a listed event on the turf. Turf track opens up for the first time this uh, this week. And he's got to give weight away, but he should just win. It's a, a nice nice place for him to, to start back and head back to that Alquaz sprint from here. Um, full field, there's a lot of prize money, so uh, people have really turned out for this festive Friday card. But uh, Daniel's been fit for a while because Masaba gave him a little entry on the t- on the dirt the other week. Didn't take it up, but I think Daniel will be ready to rock and roll on Friday. And isolate, as you say, the Godolphin Mile winner from World Cup night last year. Not just the winner, winner by five and a half lengths. And Tyler Gaffleyone coming back to ride him. Yeah, quite interesting. Tyler flies in for this. Of course, he's got plenty on his plate at the moment riding in America. So he comes over for just this one ride. And this horse, I think, does have Saudi Cup aspirations. The opposition, although there's plenty of them, perhaps aren't the strength that we once expected. Alnaford, so impressive a month ago, doesn't go. But he's still got some nice ones up against him, including Royal Muse, Mimi Kikuchi, who ran in at the Kentucky Oaks, and a few lovable old boys like Desert Wisdom and Golden Gold. But if Isolate is anywhere near fit, he should just win this map two mile, which is a million dirhams. It's a super, super prize money. And big prize money also for the Al Rashidaya, nearly £120,000 sterling to the winner. 
you're going to be surprised if the if the winner doesn't um, doesn't come from one of the Mac two mode runners. Goodolphin absolutely swamping this, and, and Shadwell with a couple of interesting ones as well. Where do you see it going? Yeah, it's an interesting race, as you say. Goodolphin have got the stranglehold. Charlie Apple has won it, I think, three of the last four years. He's got Ottoman Fleet in here, and also an interesting filly in, in measured time, but. Real world, bit of a clear force for me, I have to say. But his run in Bahrain, first up after wind surgery, that suggested to me he's on the way back. I reckon he can take this one. But it, it's it's a good race. We've got a nice Bahraini entrant in there as well for in, in Goman for Haida Shaheen. So it's a bit of an international element. But as you say, it's probably going to go to one of the, the home teams. And real world will be my, my sneaking suspicion for a horse that'll be on song for yeah. it. A high-class horse. He's the officially top-rated horse in the race with 1-1-4. I'm interested in this tie-up between dual art winning rider Christian Demure and Saeed Bin Suru. It's not as though Demiro is a secret weapon, but he could be a a, a major boon for, for Bin Suru during the winter, couldn't he? Yeah, it's very interesting that he's he's in Dubai. He couldn't go to, to Japan because of a, a whip infraction over there. Um, so he's going to spend the winter riding for Saeed. He was pretty unlucky not to have a, a win there already. Um, he, he went close a couple of weeks ago. I expect him to to get his first maiden win for Saeed tomorrow on this guy. But it's, it's a great link-up, isn't it? And I'm sure that Saeed will also still use Sheen Murphy when he's in town for Morge and, and maybe Christoph Sumion as well. But uh, Saeed's always gone for the best and Christian, of course, is one of the best. Laura, thanks so much for your time. Great to speak to you. Well, we led the, the show yesterday with the news that trainer David Eustace would be uh, parting ways with his longtime training partner, um, Kieran Ma, to take up uh, duties in Hong Kong as one of the trainers there. Uh, it's a huge move. It's a hugely exciting move and uh, one that has set the racing world abuzz, really, over the last 24 hours or so. Uh, and Dave joins me now. Uh, Dave, what, what prompted them? Everyone will see how much success you've had in Australia, Melbourne Cup winning trainer, and the most powerful stables in, in, on the entire planet numerically. And you're off to Hong Kong. Why the new challenge? Um, yeah, look, it was it's something that I've always been very keen to uh, explore um, from a young age. Um, as I suppose it's always sort of for me on, on the horizon. In that my uncle trained there, and and I, I think it you know shouldn't be underestimated what a you know superpower Hong Kong racing is. And um, you know I think it's a great setup for a trainer. Um, you know participants involved there are extremely well looked after, and um, I just view it as you know the next chapter and next challenge and um you know i'm not i don't take that like lightly at all it's a very competitive place uh, to train and um you know there's not a lot of horses there it's quite a small pool of um, owners too so um yeah i just see it as you know a great a great challenge for me I mean, you, you rightly identify that it's challenging, that also there's absolutely nowhere to hide. But are, are you quite a, attracted by that? The, the more difficult it is, the more you want to prove to yourself that you can do it? Yeah, look, I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, I've enjoyed um, being in partnership with Kieran for the last five years and we've had a huge amount of success. Um, but I feel like I'm yeah, ready to go out on my own and I don't think there's a better place to do that so you know it's um, on the world stage and you know the the international races that we've had in the last week I think really show that you know you get the best horses from all around the world competing on, on that day and and um, you know that's something that yeah really excites me. 
Um, it is. It's quite amazing. I I, I can't believe uh, that it's been quite so long since you were you were assisting Ro- Roger Varian. It seems like five minutes ago, and so much has happened in that time. So many winners, so many territories explored, and, and new frontiers pushed back. When you when you first went to Australia, could you possibly have conceived of what's happened in the in, in the intervening period? No, look, not at all. Um, I came over for some experience and uh, thought I'd be in Australia for a couple of years and. You know, I didn't also look back either. I, I wasn't quite sure what, um, you know, what, what sort of journey I'd end up on. But, um, you know, I'm very grateful to, for the opportunities. Peter Moody was a great mentor and so is Peter Snowden. And, and of course, Kieran's been fantastic to me and, and the whole team there. And that's not lost on me at all. So um, I wouldn't be here without them. And, um, you know, the, the success we had uh, was fantastic is fantastic and and i'm really proud of of what's been achieved but um now i'm just looking forward to um getting stuck in over there uh so ma eustace as it's as it's become known now just becomes kieran ma again how did how did kieran take the news when you when you ran it past him he's been fantastic um i think you know we've been together for seven years all up and i think he knew at some stage uh, this day would come. Not sure. He probably wasn't sure in what sort of uh, where what that would look like and where it might be. But um, he's been extremely supportive. Um, once I told him, which was a pretty nerve-wracking evening, but um, uh, once I told him, he was yeah very pleased and proud. And and um, you know it, it, it's not the end for us. Our, our relationship will continue, and uh, I'm sure um, down the track. Uh, and while I'm in Hong Kong, they'll still be you know, horses that may come up and business to be done. So um, it's certainly not the end for us, but um, I'm very uh, grateful for everything that he's given me. Um, This is a question that you can't answer in the time allowed, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, What do you know now that you didn't know at the beginning of Kieran Maher and Dave Eustace? Well, I certainly didn't think I was capable to train quite so many horses under one uh, roof, that's for sure. And um, it's a, a massive operation. But I think he's he's taught me a lot of things. Um, one is to, you know, think that without sounding sort of cliche that you know, anything can be done um, because I certainly didn't think it would be as big as it is now. And um, just exploring different training um, styles and regimes and, and the, the introduction of sports science and using data for training horses is something that I look forward to taking up there as well. David Eustace, my thanks to him. Now, just as I'm recording this podcast, a little bit of more news coming through about an interesting potential engagement over the Christmas period. Uh, Anthony Bromley, racing manager to Simon Manier and Isaac Swed, uh, suggesting to me that Ampere et Pass, uh, high up in most lists for the champion hurdle, brilliant winner last year at the Cheltenham Festival, he is likely to get an entry, although this is not a commitment, but he's likely to get an entry in the Rel Keel hurdle, which now has £70,000 on the table uh, on New Year's Day at Cheltenham. And if he does run there, he is likely to take on Bob Ollinger, who is bound for that race, as Robbie Power was telling you on the podcast the other day. So it's not impossible we could get an Ampere, a pass, Bob Ollinger clash in the Rel Keel hurdle. Well, now the story of Brian Toomey is a a very well-documented one. Uh, As a rider, he was extraordinarily talented. And then a fall not only ended his career, but 
pretty much ended his life for a few seconds at any rate. But he made a remarkable recovery to the point where he took a trainer's license out. And that was after years and years of real graft and dedication getting to this point. He has now trained his first winner. That came at Kempton last night, courtesy of a horse called Wake Up Harry, who raced in the colours of Harry Redknapp. He also made it onto most of the BBC news bulletins this morning, uh, taking racing uh, single-handedly beyond the parish. And he, he joins me now. Brian, that's a that's a great achievement. H- how did last night feel relative to all that you've been through over the last decade or so? Uh, Nick, it was it was a, a dream come true. Obviously, as I kept saying to people, what I've been through, I didn't I didn't let on how much it it was affecting me throughout. Obviously, my recovery and and, and years on after obviously losing a career as a jockey that I was very happy with. Um, I, I just, I, yeah, it, um, it, uh, it, did, it did hold me back a lot, but I, I always had the drive to to become a trainer. And it, listen, it wasn't easy getting to this point. Um, obviously, I don't come from a racing background, etc. So it's it wasn't hasn't been easy. And um, yeah, it was it was a dream come true. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously I'm very proud of of what I've achieved so far. Um, to train a winner after on, on my fourth runner was. Um, yeah, it was a huge privilege for it to be for Harry Redknapp as well. It was, it was amazing. Uh, and uh, you talk uh, quite candidly about uh, about your approach down the years and how your approach might have changed and how you sometimes regret being as bloody minded as you were in the in those early days. But is it fair to say if you hadn't been as bloody minded as that, you wouldn't be here now with a trainer's license? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I've been very determined, and I, I've never, I've never, I never let down for myself. I was always very very focused on what I wanted to achieve and um, I have annoyed a lot of people throughout throughout my um, en, route, en route to getting my trainer's license out and a lot of people have been very supportive and a lot of people have given me, given me um, a lot of drive to, to continue and to chase my to chase my dream and um, yeah listen, I, I can't there's, there's too many people to name I can't thank people enough but it's um, yeah, listen, it genuinely is it's, it's, it genuinely is a dream come true and um, yeah it's uh, I, I, I still can't believe last night happened to us I mean, I mean there are clear signs that you you know what you're doing you had a, a good second for ammo racing the other day as well now you've only run a handful of horses how many have you got left to run through the winter yeah I've run four horses I had one beaten neck um yeah, and listen, there was excuses for the other ones. I, I did. I did. I um, the horse that won last night, he only took me a short time. We lost my first runner, so to have my first runner for Harry Redknapp and my first uh, winner was was a massive privilege. But he was only with me a short time, and I, I had, he hadn't. Listen, the horse hadn't settled in, and, and he's he's a he's a bit of a he's a bit of a quirky character. Like he's 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 um. So like I, I felt like he'd, he'd really settle in and he'd become a happy a happier horse and I was I was on the, the build up to yesterday I was very happy with how he was going and um, yeah it's a uh, it's a pity how he couldn't make it last night but he was uh, playing West Ham or something I think Harry was on Sky so he couldn't make it last night but he picked up the phone a few minutes afterwards and and he was he was absolutely delighted and uh, obviously it, it means an awful lot for him to for him to give me that support. Brian, onwards and upwards. Thanks so much. Well done. Cheers. Thanks very much. All right. Well, it is the week leading up to Christmas, so you've got no idea what day of the week it is anyway. So just to confuse you further, we're going around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherbeast. Today, Thursday, rather than Tuesday, and there is method to our madness. And this time, because we are bringing you a little bit of breaking news. 
And it's quite exciting if you're in the national hunt breeding business because a stallion of really significant note who you might have thought had been lost to you has come back and has come back courtesy of Jer O'Neill and his own stallion operation, Capital Stud. Uh, Jer is a man of many talents, more of which in a moment, but let's just start with this. Jer, tell us who's coming home and what's going to happen. Uh, good morning, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Um, we're delighted to announce that uh, Authorised, uh, we've uh, secured him. Uh, we've just bought him back from Turkey. Uh, he's going into to quarantine now at the minute, and he'll be back in the new year to stand with us here in Capital uh, Capital Stud. So let's talk a little bit about Authorised, the brilliant Derby winner of 2007. He is advancing in years, but he is certainly not retreating in terms of profile with any number of good horses on the track. Um, give us a, a sketch of his stallion career so far. Uh, so I suppose, he, obviously, he won the Derby himself. Um, and he was a very famous horse. Everybody had followed him, very highly rated. Uh, and then through his progeny, then he's, uh, he's, he's really starting to leave a legacy with Tiger Roll and I am Maximus, both uh, Grand National winners. And probably from a lot of flat mares, not really National Hunt mares, he's... Uh, his statistics are unbelievable. He's 65% runners to winners and uh, his progeny at the sales are really sought after. I was just looking through it there. Some of the three-year-olds there are sold for 145, uh, 165,000 last year from nice pedigrees without being unbelievable pedigrees and they're averaging 100,000 for his Geldings three-year-olds at the minute. So he's very much sought after in the by all of the best trainers and everybody wants to have an auto rate. They do, and he's from that Monsieur Sireline as well. And soon, we're going to get to the point where that kind of one-generation proximity to Monsieur is going to be quite difficult to come by. Yeah, absolutely. They're getting further and further away and see it walk in the park, how prevalent they are and uh, how many brilliant horses they are with, with that Sireline. So we're, we're delighted to be able to, to bring back a stallion and walk in the park in Blue Brazil or obviously the big two at the minute and to be able to bring back another one for... Irish breeders and for breeding going forward we think it should be it should be good news Was it difficult to do, Joe? Yeah, in the last seven or eight months trying to buy him uh, Refik uh, Widget is the, was the agent and we've been over and back uh, the Turkish Jockey Club haven't they said sold the stallion and they're, uh, in all the time they've done it so it was a long, a long process and we suppose we built up the relationship and just got, got talking to the guys and got over there and, and we gave a lot of money for him. Uh, he's an older horse, he's he's turning 20 and it's a, it's a big risk. So a few of us got together and put the money up and I suppose we were thinking with our, our hearts as much as our head on this one, we, we really wanted to have him home. I'm sure you did and you mentioned Tiger Roll, I am Maximus, the national winners, but Nichols Canyon, Goshen, Echoes in Rain, he's had a remarkable record with, it, with his jumpers and he's going to stand alongside stallions that are varied but all interesting. I, you stand triple threat, Mirage Dancer, the Frankel horse, Castle Star, looking for something very different with him. An Alcu mate, we know, has got a wonderful pedigree. We've talked about that Whitsbury pedigree out of Suley to the half to Chaldean many times. So what are your overarching ambitions and aspirations as a, as, as a stud? Um, I suppose we're quite new to the game. Um, I'm a, a international show jumper with my own, my own field and... Um, we started four years ago. We, we, we stood, myself and Darren McCarthy, Declan Arpin, organised to get a hunting horn, and he stood, he was quite well received. And we just sort of snowballed from there, really. Any time that we see it, that there might be a possibility to buy a good stallion, we're, 
always on the lookout. Uh, we were lucky to get Mirage Dancer. He's a 16 3 son of Frankel from a very good family. His mother won two group ones and she's a sister to champion sire. Dad Silly, Champ Silly's, who's flying um, five group one winners in her, in her second dam. So that's an amazing pedigree. And we were delighted to get him. He's covered 390 mares in his first two seasons and been very well received by breeders. So I suppose as, as we're going, getting better and the breeders are, are coming here, we're, we're trying to make it bigger and bigger. Uh, stand two flat stallions, as he said, Alchemate and the new stallion Castle Star by Star Spangled Banner. He's a very exciting horse for next year. So it's a very enjoyable process and the breeders are, are working very well with us and uh, we're just really enjoying it, to be honest. And I suppose the horse that, that could sort of propel you in terms of numbers of mares covered is is Triple Threat, the, the Monson horse, who who's already throwing some, some serious horses over jumps. Yeah, so Triple Threat was, uh, stood in France, covered small numbers uh, of mostly flat mares, and he's after coming up with four or five black-type horses out of, I think, around 40 runners. A very good horse with Willie and Mr. Policeman. A good horse in, in France that's won 250,000. He's only five, called Sans Bruce. Um, he, his statistics are brilliant um, everywhere we looked Walter Connors uh, the Blahines Willie Mullins Donny Gadeil has got involved with us with that stallion he has two very good ones going to run and point to point so anywhere we turned everybody in the industry was already looking towards triple threat and all of the good people so he was a horse that we were we were very happy to secure and obviously he was a very expensive horse to get him out of France but we were, uh, we're delighted to be able to get him and bring him to Darius Marcus. And Jay, you mentioned your your own show jumping prowess. I know that that one of your great strings to your bow is producing young horses, and you've been a a, a world champion on on three occasions. How do you combine running the stud with running a successful show jumping business? Is it more straightforward than I'm making out? Um, I suppose it can be challenging at times. Um, maybe sometimes we might have more than we can chew, but I enjoy it, and I have very good people around me. Uh, Joe it looks after the stallions here. And I have uh, Jason Foley, is now he's a top young rider and he looks after the show jumping aspect of it. So I probably overlook a lot of it um, and I don't have to maybe do the day-to-day of, of any one thing in particular. So that maybe makes it a little bit easier. I've taken a little bit of a step back now from high-end show jumping. Obviously, I love it um, and I've done it all my life, but I'm really enjoying what we're doing here with the stallion. So my, my kids are... A bit younger now, they're uh, a young family, so it makes it nice that we are not on the road, maybe at 30 shows a year internationally, that I can be home a lot more. So it was probably a lifestyle choice as well to do the stallions. And obviously, you know, you're looking at sport horses and thoroughbreds on a daily basis. Are you of the mindset that if you know what a good horse looks like, you know what a good horse looks like, and it doesn't really matter whether it's a, a jumper or a, or a flat horse or a sprinter or a stayer or whatever? Yeah, I think look at the obviously the sprinters have there's a certain type and and the same with the with the national hunt horses and a nice good looking horse in general with the right conformation the mechanics to do the job it's very important so that's something that we would have been watching a lot through, through from sales and through through uh, horses that that um, stay sound we need horses in Georgia but they stay sound till 12, 13, 14 years of age so conformation is very important and. Uh, I suppose it, it, the both things actually go hand in hand at the high level show jumpers now if you can get it right there's, there's huge money for them and we have a lot of show jumpers still at a high level and uh, it's the same with the racehorses the, the, the soundness and longevity is important so confirmation is huge well one horse who was a great poster boy for authorised Tiger Roll had soundness and, uh, and confirmation in spades uh, how will you keep authorized going? As you said, he's he's twenty years old now. Are you going to limit his book of mares? Are you? Well, how how are you going to kind of squeeze squeeze as much as you can from him? 
yeah, I, I suppose he, he's he's a brilliant horse and he's he's a horse to look after now. So we're going to have a limited book of mares. Uh, a few of the, the the very good breeders have heard in the last few days that maybe he's coming here and they've all tried to book in their good mares. It's, it's actually been incredible how many good mares have want to be booked in already. So we will only cover a limited book of mares and we're going to look after him so that uh, hopefully that he lasts for, for as long as he can and that he's happy in the shed to be covering. So he'll definitely be a boutique stallion and the, the, the foals have sold for a lot of money and we expect that anybody has one will get very well paid. Good. That was Jer O'Neill. A nice little bit of uh, breaking news there about authorised Jane, which I'm sure you knew already. But um, it was good to hear that he was back. It is a big risk, as Jer was saying, uh, for a 20-year-old. So they need to manage this horse cleverly and carefully. For sure. But he's it's a huge coup because authorised is, I, I don't say it lightly, I think he's one of the great stallions, national hunt of our of our time. Um, Tiger Roll, Nichols Canyon, Goshen, I am Maximus, Echoes and Rain, just some of the names that would roll off the tongue when you think of the Derby winner from a number of years ago. Um, and look, the popularity of his son Santiago at the recent National Hunt Fall sales only further enhances the thirst for his blood over here. And uh, he will be in demand, but he is turning 20 years of age. So for Capital and all of their team, it'll be a case of managing the demand. And uh, I'm sure the demand will be through the roof. I wanted to ask your thoughts on a report from David Jennings in today's Racing Post uh, confirming that Ireland will cut the number of Grade 1 races next year with a particular focus on increasing competitiveness in the novice chase area. Is that the right call or the wrong one, Jane? Oh, definitely the right one. It needed to be done. Um, there's more Grade 1s run during the Dublin Racing Festival two days at Leopardstown in February than there is in France and in an entire season. Uh, France have nine Grade 1s in the entire season and I'm not saying that they have it right but I always believe that you should have listed group three or uh, grade three, grade two, grade one in a pyramid shape that the top grade one being the narrowest. And at the moment it is not, there's more grade ones run in Ireland than there is grade twos. So uh, I think that needed to be done. And I think more of that needs to be done. I, I know that Morgiana is under a bit of pressure um, and there'll be a couple of People question the competitive competitiveness of some grade ones in Ireland, but the fact is there's a lot of them. We have a lot of good horses, but I do think there should be a pyramid effect. And I think we have um, somewhat inflated um, our top end pattern. And uh, that I, I'm, I'm happy Jason Morris and his team are, are reevaluating that. And this is the first step in what will probably be a number of pruning measures required to just rebalance the book. I want to pay tribute to Zarika. Are you familiar with Zarika? No. Right, you should be. I, I'm, I'm going to have to dock marks for inattentive pod listening. You might remember this, actually, when I tell you. She is the mayor that was going for the record of wins in a calendar year in France. France. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Trained by Julien Felipon, who was on the podcast back in October. Uh, and it was great. I, I really, really enjoyed listening to him and to Julian Ince. And uh, she's done it. She's she's broken the record. The night before last at Marseille Vivo, uh, Tuesday night, the nine-year-old mayor won her 12th race of 2023 and broke the all-time French record. So bravo, Zarika, and to the two Julians. And can she come to tomorrow New Year's Day? 
<laughs> very good very good i like it um have you got a tip for me it can't be tremor on new year's day no i'm going pretty boring this afternoon at exeter the 225 molly ollie's wishes was once a mayor rated 147 and she's competing in lower grade handicap hurdle today off a mark of 132 and i just think dan and harry skelton are coming back to form and molly's ollie's wishes might just help continue the trend lovely mayor she is she's been a superstar for them over the years and i hope you're right jane thank you so much i hope you have a wonderful christmas and a very very happy new year and same to you and all the listeners that was jane mangan i've been nick luck and i'll be back with you tomorrow that was thursday the 21st of december bye-bye you've been listening to nick luck daily Brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.